Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for bringing us to this day, to this very moment. We thank you for your faithfulness to our church, what you're doing now, and what you're going to do in the future. We pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength, our Redeemer. Amen. You can be seated. Well, this is a great day. <laughs> amen? amen? Anglicans can say amen? <laughs> this is a landmark day, really, in the history of our church. I went back and looked at some history, a, a sketch of the history of our wanderings. <laughs> our wanderings without a home. It's been over 10 years. And, of course, uh, before my time. But in 2004... Church of the Resurrection began worshiping at the Marriott, remember those days, and then in 05 it was the Lodge at the Pair, left the Marriott to the Lodge, and then back at the Marriott according to this history, so that was a busy, busy year, and then uh, to Westminster Christian Academy, and then had to leave Westminster Christian Academy when they reconstructed, and uh, we made the move to the Lutheran Hour Ministries, which was a great home for us for three, four years, 2010 was the Lutheran Hour Ministry. Lots of uh, moving uh, luggage and boxes and the nursery week after week, the coffee cart, Deacon Wanda. Where's Deacon Wanda? She was serving faithfully in the coffee ministry. Um, you know the patron saint of the coffee ministry is St. Arbucks. Oh. <laughs> you know but so many people have been faithful uh, through the years, week after week, and and we're here, thanks, thanks to God, and thanks to your generosity. Uh, and look out here in, in the congregation, and, and, and I just see people who gave generously, whether it was money or time or talent, and people have been praying uh, for this day to be here, and here we are. So it's just, it's just extraordinary and wonderful. Where do we go from here? What's our focus? That's right. I want to talk about another building program. God's building program, okay? This is our key text today, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. I told the first um, congregation or the, at the first service that I was going to preach on this text anyway, regardless of when we we're going to get in here. This just happens to be the lectionary text for today. This epistle is in the lectionary for this very day. Uh, I changed the gospel reading, but this is the epistle for today. But 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. You also, like living stones, not dead monuments, living stones are being built into a spiritual house. And who is doing the building? God is. And the most important thing about this building is how God is going to build us up as we gather in this place to worship him week after week, as we, as we encourage one another in this place, as we as we pray for one another and hear the word of God being preached and as we receive the sacraments week after week, God is going to build us up and is building us up into this spiritual house and then he's going to send us into the world, into the community, into this neighborhood that needs to know him. These verses, uh, chapter 2, this part of chapter 2 is all about growth and maturity in Christ. The people that Peter is writing to are believers in Jesus Christ. They're Christians. They have faith in Jesus. They've put their trust in his death 
as a ransom for their sin. Peter uses that language of ransom. God has ransomed you through the blood of Christ. And um, they have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So not only do they know that, that God has forgiven them of their sin, but they have a guarantee of eternal life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. These are the things that they believe in. So they're Christians. That's what it means to be a Christian, to trust in Jesus for your salvation. But now Peter says, let's talk about what God is doing to grow you up into maturity, to build up this church. And so there's some things I want to talk about in this section of Scripture. What does it entail? Um, what does this building project entail? It starts with demolition. It starts with tearing down. It starts with getting rid of some things that are not in line with the character of Christ in our life. And the, the Christian life, you can see, uh, working with the power of God is, is a continual reconstruction project or deconstruction project. But before the construction, there has to be tearing down. And so Peter says this in verse 1, put away or get rid of, you could translate that, all malice and all hatred and hypocrisy, wearing a mask literally, and envy and all slander. This is not an exhaustive list, but this is an, uh, this is an example. These things are examples of the sorts of attitudes that can stunt our spiritual growth. For example, when we envy somebody, when we envy somebody else's property or possessions or status, I think that's something we've all struggled with, I struggle with periodically, envy. We can't love God rightly if our heart is filled with envy. We can't love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength because we're not grateful to God for what he has blessed us with, right? And we certainly can't love our neighbor if we want what they have and if we're coveting what they have. So uh, these sorts of attitudes, and we can go through every one, of course we're not going to have time to do that today, but are examples of, of, of things that can stunt our spiritual growth. And Peter says you've got to get rid of those things with the help of God, with the grace of God. You know, we had to do some demolition in here in order to make room for growth in this space, didn't we? What did we have to do? Chimney. We had to take out the chimney where Mike and, and Bob are sitting right there where the chimney once was in Maryland. We made room for you guys. But, you know, it wasn't easy to get rid of it. It was a, it was a nice uh, piece of uh, architecture and we enjoyed it, but, but it had to go to make room for growth. This very space that we're standing in, this wasn't here. We had a knock on a wall to make room for growth. And so it's the same way in the spiritual life. I wonder as you, I hope this just doesn't bounce off of us this morning, uh, what Peter is saying here. I wonder if, if you look at that list carefully, and let's just read it again, and ask yourself, do I struggle with any of these attitudes? Malice. Malice towards anybody. Toward any particular race. Hatred. Deceit, my deceptive in my everyday life, in my business practices, in my interaction with others. Hypocrisy, which is, is wearing a mask, pretending to be one thing that you're not. And I, I, one thing I really uh, I enjoy about this church and the relationships in the church is authenticity. People are real here. And we want to continue to cultivate that. Envy, slander, 
tearing somebody's character down with your words. We need to look at a list like this, and they're all really throughout the New Testament. And when we see these, we need to stop and evaluate, God, is there anything like this in my heart, in my life, that you need to get rid of? Make it a matter of prayer. Make it a matter of confession. You can even take a list like this and say, okay, this for the next, for the next six months, I'm going to really, with God's help, get rid of this particular attitude in my, in my life. Okay, so that's an example of how we can grow. But the main emphasis in this section of Scripture, Peter's main emphasis is on the positive, on the positive growth. And so in verse 2, he uses an analogy. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. This is an analogy that, that kind of hits close to home as a father of five. The newborn infant craving milk at 3 a.m. in the morning. And this is something my wife has to struggle with more than me, or had to. <laughs> but, you know, it, it starts with a little whimper. <laughs> and you're hoping, go back to sleep. Go back to sleep. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want my wife to get out of bed. I'm going to be sensitive to what she's had to live through. But it starts with that little whimper, and then it builds to a wah, wah, wah. And if you don't get there, what happens? A whale. <laughs> a full-out, mad, red-faced whale. Because they're hungry, and they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop until they get it. They have to have milk. They have to have nourishment to grow. What is the milk? What is the nourishment that we need as Christians? It's the Word of God. It, we need to be fed by the Word of God. We need to be fed by the Scriptures. Word and sacrament. That, that's our nourishment. And so we need, to, we need these things in order to grow. That's why, as a church, we spend time in the Scriptures. This is why I try to preach the way I do when I take a text of Scripture and just try to unfold it. I'm trying to carve it up into pieces to, to feed God's people. And, and that's why we do it, because the authority is not in me. The authority is in the Word of God. I'm under the same authority you all. I need the same nourishment that you all need. And so that's why we preach the way we do. That's why we have Bible studies. That's why we emphasize that we want every member to be engaged in Scripture study and devotional reading of the Bible. If you don't have an appetite for the Word of God, taste and see. Try it out. Taste and see that the Lord is is good. Taste and see the truth of the Word of God. Taste and see the direction that you'll get through the Word of God. Taste and see the perspective that you'll get, an eternal perspective in this transient temporal world if you're anchored to the Word of God. It'll change your perspective and it'll be good. It'll be good for you. Taste and see that the Lord of, is good and His Word is good. We're built up by the Word. There has to be demolition. There has to be growth. But then what is the foundation that we're building on? The foundation of any building is, is the most important part of the building. Without a good foundation, the, the, the rest of the building won't be sound. In our previous church in Troy, our, our, it was an old church, over 150 years old. It was a Gothic structure, and the foundation at one time began to crumble. It was during a season of drought. We didn't get a lot of rain, and the earth was cracking, and the foundation itself crumbled and shifted, and the, and the walls of the church were actually cracking. And, and so we had to have somebody come in and shore up the foundation because without a healthy foundation, the whole thing's going to fall apart. 
The foundation of the church is Jesus Christ. He is the cornerstone. Peter calls him the cornerstone throughout this section of Scripture. He's drawing on Isaiah. He's drawing on the Psalms. This idea of God is going to lay in Zion, in Jerusalem, a cornerstone, a foundation stone. In the ancient world, a cornerstone was not just a memorial stone. They used the cornerstone, they cut it to precise angles to determine the lines and the angles for the rest of the building. So everything followed the cornerstone. And the cornerstone of the Christian church is Jesus Christ. He's the foundation. The builders rejected Jesus, just like people today reject Jesus. They don't build their life on him. There are some people who reject him. Uh, the, the, the people that Peter is referring to here, I think, are the, the religious leaders. They were the builders, the religious builders of the day. And they, many of them rejected Jesus Christ. They said, we don't want to build on him. We have our own traditions. We have our own temple. But guess what? That temple was destroyed. And God chose this stone that the builders rejected. They pushed it off the construction site. And God said, no, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And I'm going to build my church on him. I'm going to build my kingdom on him. And as he said to Peter, the very Peter who's writing these words, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Because Jesus Christ is the Messiah and the Son of the living God. And so our foundation is strong to go forward. We just have to make sure we're continually aligned with the foundation, right? I heard about a church, a friend of mine told me about a church on the West Coast that was beginning to reach out to people on the beach, surfers. They would go out there, they'd cook hot dogs, they'd hand out water bottles. They started getting involved in this mission, which was a very Christ-like thing to do. But then these young people started showing up to church in their surfer gear. And some of the old guards said, no, 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 you can't come to church like that. You've got to get a tie on. You've got to get a dress. You've got to get a dress shirt. You've got you to look the part. And what happened? What do you think happened? Those young people left. And the, and the outreach fell apart. And the pastor was left without, you know, with a church that was kind of ingrown. What was the problem? They weren't aligned with Jesus' values and priorities. Who's more concerned about the heart? Yeah, we want people as they get to know God. And this is a principle of Anglicanism, isn't it? That as, as you get to know God, as you worship God, that reverence that you uh, feel for God should be expressed outwardly. But that's something that develops in time with people. The main priority is what's God doing in your heart? We want you to know that God loves you and cares for you no matter what you look at. So, the foundation is Jesus Christ. We have to always be building on Him. And then what is this building all about? What is this project all about? Demolition, growth, the foundation, Jesus Christ. It's about God having a people for His glory. Listen to this language in verse 9. But you are a chosen race. Peter's talking not just to Jewish people who have been um, steeped in this kind of language, but also Gentiles. There's one body now. You are a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. God has done this. God has called you. God has elected you in his elected one, Jesus Christ. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's gathering a people of praise and worship. You could translate that, proclaim the excellencies. You could translate that, sound the praises. He's gathering a group of people in this world that he created. 
that he's redeemed by the blood of his own son to sound forth the praises of his glory. People who know that they have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. People who know the mercy of God. That's why we're here, to sound forth his praise. As priest, all of us are priests. I'm an ordained priest. This is my office. But all of us belong to the priesthood of believers in the sense that we're all called to serve God and to worship him. And our sacrifice is not a physical sacrifice we bring. Our sacrifice, Peter says in verse um, 5, that we're a holy priesthood. We're to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What are some of those spiritual sacrifices? Well, Romans 12 says we're offered our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. All of us. All, every part of our life is to be offered as a sacrifice to God. And then Hebrews 13 talks about offering a sacrifice of praise to God, the fruit of our lips. And Hebrews 13 goes on and talks about how our good works are a pleasing sacrifice to God. So this is what we're involved in as priests. We're offering sacrifices, ourself, our good works, our bodies, uh, our, our praise up to God for His glory, not to gain His favor. That's been won through Jesus Christ, but out of gratitude for what He's done in our life. Let me just, let me be honest here. As this church is being built, constructed, so much time, so much money, so much effort going into it, people have been asking, are you nervous? <laughs> are you a little nervous about what, what's, coming, you know, what's coming down the pipe here and, and how are we going to grow and, and fill this place? Well, we do a pretty good job of filling this space, but what about down the road? And yeah, I've been a little anxious about that, thinking about the future of the church. I'm grateful for what God has done and is doing, but I'm a little anxious about what he is going to do. And then I came across this quote. This was like a splash of cold water on my face here. It kind of woke me up. We should be less concerned with making churches full of people and more concerned with making people full of God. If we ourselves are people full of God, if we ourselves are the kind of people that Peter is talking about here, a living temple for God, and he's dwelling in us, and he's doing these sorts of things in our hearts and minds, there won't be any problem reaching people. People are attracted to something that's living. And as they see the living God work in our life and in our congregation, they'll come to know him as well. God has placed us here, friends, in this neighborhood to reach people for his glory. That's what it is all about. Let's celebrate how God has grown this church. Let's praise Him for what He's done. Let's surrender to His work in us. Let Him demolish some things in our life. Let Him grow us up through the Word and place us on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Let's pray. We bless you and we praise you, O Christ. You have redeemed us. You have sought us. You've bought us with your blood. We praise you, Heavenly Father, for calling us together, not just as individuals, but as, as a body, as a temple to be built, as living stones, one on top of another, based on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ for your glory. We anticipate eagerly what you're going to do in our lives. Help us to be full of you, O oh God. And out of that fullness to spill over in praise and thanksgiving and witness, we ask it in 
your holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen.